Today on the Break It Down for Brackens podcast, you will hear a conversation with me and Sean Farrell from Huntington, West Virginia. Sean is the coach of his son's middle school robotics team. Now, I don't know much about robotics or coding or, frankly, any sort of robotics competition, but I do know Sean, and Sean's a good dude. We met in Leadership West Virginia, and when I was in Huntington, West Virginia, he was gracious enough to come on and teach me about robotics competition on a middle school and elementary school level. Let's hear how, let's hear how we break it down. Have you heard of Bracken's painting? I started Bracken's painting back in 2011. We do both residential and commercial painting. We have contractors licenses in West Virginia and Virginia, and we carry all the necessary insurances, like workers' comp, general liability. Uh, we operate a small staff that focuses on meeting the homeowner's needs and project manager's timeline expectations. Uh, we, pri- we try to have exceptional attention to detail. If you're interested in doing any sort of commercial or residential painting, please contact Bracken's Painting. More information can be found at www brackenspainting.com The background music you're hearing in today's podcast is produced and written by Peter Clark. His debut album, Peter Clark After Dark, dropped this year. I'm really psyched that he's letting me use his music for free. Uh, For bookings or just to hear his music, you can search for Peter Clark After Dark on SoundCloud. This song is called Forest of Giant Frogs. All right, Sean, thank you for being on the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Right on, man. So you're the coach of the Vex IQ team for St. Joe's grade school. That's correct. And that's a competition for elementary and middle school kids with these, the topic of robotics. Right. Right, it's pretty cool. Robotics and encoding. Encoding. Yep. Okay, great. Well, here's the deal. I know absolutely nothing about this, so I'm gonna kind of let you take the lead. Tell me about. Um, well, actually, yeah. Tell me about how you got um, involved in the program. How many kids are involved? How many schools are involved? How big is the competition? Just kind of start to break it down for you, and I'll I'll ask questions as we go along. Yeah. So. Um... Vex is a building platform like Lego, right? So there's building blocks, different size pieces, and their kids can build a robot, whether it's a, I'll say a standard stock robot with instructions like Legos would be, uh, or if they come up with their own designs. Um, And so they are able to build these robots uh, that have motors on them, different sensors on them. uh, And then there's a remote control like a remote control car would be. Right, and so they use the computer to program the controller. What motors is there, do the runs, and uh, how, how big are these robots? Um, so this year's game is called Squared Away. So it's Vex IQ Squared Away, and each year there's a different game, and I'll describe the game here in a little bit. Um, but this year's robot is limited in size, so it can only be 15 inches tall, 11 inches wide, uh, and 19 inches long. Um, the game itself involves a four-foot by eight-foot field, plastic field on the ground with some barriers, uh, and it involves seven different cubes that are essentially a, a, a lattice framework cube that you're trying to move into different scoring positions. And so there's three green cubes that you're trying to stick on top of towers. 
and one of those towers is like nine inches tall. So when you're thinking about your robots limited to 15 inches high, uh, that's really the limiting factor in the game is how tall uh, can I lift a cube up into the air? Uh, All right, so, so these are not just uh, static robots that sit still and have moving arms. These are things that have to move around the, right, the so, course. Right, they move around the course. There's basically three systems that involve these robots. The first subsystem is your drivetrain. There's wheels, and you can do gears that interlock together, or you can do a sprocket and chain. Uh, it's more of like a tank track. Um, and so that's your, your drivetrain subsystem. There's a second subsystem, which is your brain and your radio control and your remote control. And so that's what's actually holding in your data so that when you take your controller and you push up, that it knows what motors to spin. So at the end of the day, the only thing the robot knows is what you tell it, right? The, the kids have to code the robot. So when I push up on my joystick, you know, it looks like an Xbox joystick. When I push up, you know, spin motors two and four forward. That's all the robot knows, right? And so robots are great to do work with, but they're only as good as the person designing them and the person programming them. The experience I have with robots is I have those uh, robot vacuums. Yeah. And those things seem really dumb to me because <laughs> well, they smash into everything. <clears throat> One of them, even though they're not supposed to fall on the steps, will launch itself down the steps. Well, it sounds like it needs an extra sensor to make sure that it doesn't go over the edge. Right. So let's back up a second here because I just take that that little robot that vacuums the floor for granted for the most part. Let's back up to the students. What kind of student, I mean, at what ages are we talking about? So for the elementary team, uh, St. Joe's Catholic grade school, their teams start in the third grade. And that's where I have a son who's in the third grade. Um, it goes through middle school. There's some age limitations to be in the competitions itself. Uh, but we basically have third graders through uh, seventh graders who are on our middle school and elementary teams. Okay, well, we're approximately the same age. Yep. And I remember who we were in third grade. Yeah. I mean, I was drawing pictures of airplanes. And yeah, maybe I, maybe making a paper airplane. Yeah, or something. I, mean, I, I wasn't. Right. I certainly wasn't in a world where I would have understood coding yeah. or or motors. How does a student get involved? Is there like precursor classes they take before the third grade to get this sort of thing? No, I mean, a lot of it comes down to where the kids at various levels have different skills, right? I'll say the third graders, especially the ones who maybe are used to playing video games, they're maybe a little bit better driver as opposed to being an abstract thinker and being able to build something without instructions. And, um, and driver, you mean the person controlling, controlling the robot it. versus the person designing right. which commands? Right. Okay. And so, um, you know, the teams are made up, like our teams are made up typically of five students. We've tried to spread them out a little bit where we've had some kids with some experience on a team, some you know, that pair them up with kids with less experience. Um, just kind of spread out the people with, with background. This is my first year being the coach there. Um, and so we've got about 30 kids. They're divided among six teams. One of them is a middle school team, and the other five are elementary teams. Um, and so... Hold on. Is the middle school <clears throat> competition the same as the elementary school competition? They, they play the same game, but they're like when they qualify for the state tournament, which is in Fairmont um, the first week of March this year, uh, they're in their own category. They'll be competing with other middle school teams as opposed to against elementary teams as well. Okay. So let's get back to the initial question. What kind of student 
understands i mean if they're playing video games they know how to drive right to, for the most part but how do they figure out coding well that's where i'll say the mentors come in you know vex at its core is a student-centered program they keep an engineering notebook so they're they're basically going through the pseudo loop like you know observe orient decide and act and so they're gonna say hey i have this problem i'd like to make a robot that drives and so we started them building i'll say a standard robot that had instructions on how to build it and then they went and played the game with it and most of these robots aren't very good at playing that game they had to make some changes um and so the students have to find out what's wrong with it and how to make it better so like the third graders they're not going to be able to do that very well but the fifth graders or the sixth graders who have done this for a year or two um they're able to do that and it's <clears throat> up to the adult mentors to try to lead them to help them make decisions for themselves. Okay, so I have so many scattered questions now. <laughs> well, when, we'll just fire yeah. them out one at a time. Yeah, so when you you get the instructions <clears throat> to make the basic kind of entry level robot that needs modifications, what do you what are you using for raw materials? Um, so the Vex comes, we have what's called a super kit. And so there's each team kind of started with a super kit, which is a box of parts. Okay, then let's back up again. Vex, it's not just called Vex IQ. Yeah. Vex is the company name. Vex is essentially uh, the platform that the robots are being built from, like Lego, right? Vex is a company that makes plastic and metal parts and motors. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Beginning. Okay, gotcha. So Vex is a, a company, right? Uh, much like Lego is. And they make parts in various shapes. Good. They build up a robot, and there's now, some instructions on how to make some basic designs. Yeah, I didn't understand that part. Okay, so <clears throat> then how much time – I guess this is – is this a credited course? Like are the kids now, getting credit? This is a club. This club. is an after-school club. Think of it like a basketball team where they're okay. staying after school on, on – for us, it was Mondays uh, starting in September. So once a week, these kids stayed after school for upwards of two hours, and, you know, they – kind of incrementally step towards uh, getting a basic robot built and then, you know, participating on the field, seeing how it works and saying, hey, this isn't great. Let's try to make some changes. Uh, and, you know, you talked about when we were in third grade, what were we doing? <clears throat> well, you know, technology has changed. The kids' interests have changed. And quite frankly, the Internet's a beautiful thing. Right. Right. And so there are teams all over the world competing in this same competition. Um, some of them with highly developed robots um, that are available out there on YouTube. And so a kid will say, um, you know, one of the things I've encouraged our teams to do is use the Internet, use it for research, see what other people are doing and see if you can learn from it. Right. We don't want to just straight copy somebody, but we can see what other teams are doing. We can see who's having success and how are they successful and learning from others and trying to, you know, implement those good practices in your design. Gotcha. So the raw materials come from Vex. Right. And um, <clears throat> so there's a basic kit. And then you get to build your robot, see how well it doesn't actually work that well. And then say, well, let's let's set it so the arm moves more degrees to the right or to the left exactly. or taller or higher. Yep. Okay. And then so you're limited based on the raw materials Vex sends you. And then I guess you have to stay inside of a rules category that says you can only use VEX. You can only use VEX parts, okay. right? So in IQ, um, you, you can't modify the parts. If you have a, let's say a, a bracket that is, I'll, you know, I'll use the word one by fifteen. That means that it's one peg high <clears throat> and fifteen long. And so those are about on 
uh, half inch increments, right? So that'd be like a seven and a half inch long piece. Uh, if you needed one that was shorter, you need to find a shorter piece. You can't just Modify. cut it. Uh, the only thing you can cut are the metal shafts. There's some metal shafts that go into the motors that are like your drive shafts, essentially. You're allowed to modify those, but that's it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, the comp. Okay, let's say. Well, back up again. Again, my questions stack on top of each other. So they start maybe in September, once a week for a competition that's in March. That's really cool, because you can get into a flow of working on it. Are the kids working on it on their own additionally? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for us, the competition season started in January. Our teams, um, their first competition. And so there's, there's competitions all over the state, right? Um, it's headed up by a regional director who's a, a VEX employee, or actually is a, is a robotic um, education center uh, employee. So REC is the company that runs the competitions worldwide. Right, and there are event partners. So our first competition happened this year in January at Marshall University, where Marshall has this Geeks and Gadgets Club. It's a VEX program uh, for university students playing uh, a different game. It's called VEX VRC, which is the VEX U game, and they get to use metal components and they can 3D print things and things like that. Um, so there's a high school and a college level game. Okay. Um, but we're playing the elementary game, and so they were an event partner where they hosted an event for about 30 teams. Um, some, some events charge money, you know, $50, $100. Some events are free. Um, and so we've competed um, <clears throat> in four different competitions, our various teams, uh, all of our teams. This year? This year. Okay. So our, all of our teams went to the Marshall competition. And then our middle school team went and participated at a different event. We had some kids go to a competition in Hamlin. Uh, last weekend they were at Hayes Middle School. Uh, which is in St. Albans. There's events in Martinsburg. There's events in Clarksburg. Okay. Um, and so all over the state, there are, I'll say, middle schools, high schools hosting events. Uh, the teams can sign up and participate. Typically, there's about 30 teams at a competition. Schools typically have four or five teams each. So you might have six or seven schools represented at an event, uh, and they're all competing, trying to earn a state qualifying spot. So if you do well and win one of the awards at these individual events, you then qualify for the state competition, which is held at uh, Fairmont State University okay. in, in March. Right. Well, hold on. Before we get to states, let's talk about not just the club time where they're working on their coding and robot, but their their research time or almost like their homework from the club. Right. How much of that you think is happening? Oh, a tremendous amount. I mean, so... You know, the kids are starting in September. They're just learning the game. Uh, they're learning the rules. A lot of them, this is their first time doing it. They're, you know, and through October, we were pretty much building standard robots. Uh, in November, we were trying to put them on the field and see how they operated, make some modifications. Uh, in December, we probably got a little bit deeper into the coding part. And there's some examples online that, you know, there's various programs you can use to code them. Some of them uh, that we're using is called VEX Code Blocks. And so it's essentially um, snapping together pre-built pieces of code. Like this code might say, you know, you have a menu on the left and you drag it onto your scrapbook page and it'll say um, when uh, F up button is pressed. And so, okay, when F up button is pressed, what do I want to have happen? Well, I want my front arm to spin. And so you've already gone in 
and programs and told the computer what motors you have. So you say, hey, I have motor one, motor four, motor five plugged into, there's 12 different slots in the brain. Okay. And so you plug them in with essentially telephone cord looking material between the motor and the brain. Uh, you explain to the brain, hey, in your 12 slots, these are the motors that I plugged in. These are the sensors that I plugged in. I'm going to give them a name. So instead of saying motor six, I may call that front lift, right? And so that's my front arm. And then I drag in my block that says uh, when F up is pressed, spin motor six or spin my front arm motor forward. That's the, that's the pre-written <clears throat> code that's attached to it. Well, that's the code that the kids are creating that they then download onto the brain. So when you hook up your remote control, your Xbox-looking controller, that when I hit F up, that it understands, hey, the controller's hitting F up. I need to spin motor six. <clears throat> nice. Okay, I get it. So I guess to some extent when, when you think about uh, how the um, – you know, you see that page of coding, and you see like programmers just typing out this weird right. sort of actual code. Yep, you don't understand code. It. it seems like that's an entire language I'm never going to learn. But from what I'm envisioning, you're telling me, and from things I've heard on other podcasts or tech conversations, you can teach somebody how to code by taking the code and breaking it into digestible chunks right? and saying, okay, this batch of code that was written by a programmer yep. does X. And this batch of code does Y. And then you're saying you can plug it into the brain and the brain has already kind of been coded or assigned its outputs to the arms or the wheels right. or the, a rotating mo motor. Right. So what you're talking about is text-based code, which is this wall of, of letters and, and commas right. and parentheses that you don't understand. What they've done to break it down for, for the kids to make kind of an intro to coding is they make what's called blocks. And these blocks are color-coded and already have some predetermined things. So this block, in reality, represents a bunch of text that you don't understand. Yeah, that's what I was excited. I thought, so I, thought they, I was learning that right, yeah. And so they can grab it. And let's say one of the blocks um, um, says um, set stopping, right? And so for my motor, I have a couple choices. I can either, when the motor stopped, it can either be holding a position. It can break. So holding's where it actively is holding the motor hard. If I push it out of the way, it's going to try to get back to where it was. Okay. Brake is just some resistance. And then there's um, coast, which is like free floating. Now, there's different amounts of text code behind that. But for the kid, all they have to do is drag this stopping block over, choose which motor. Like, hey, I'm choosing my left drive motor, and I want it to coast. And so they're just having to drag a block and select from two different dropdowns whether what motor they're selecting and what their stopping style is, and then the program does the rest for them. This is really smart stuff. And I I can see I can see where parents could help push a a kid towards well, hey, you know, you might not be into basketball, you might not be into baseball or track. Or they might be into both. Or okay, yeah. <laughs> as a, yeah, you could be into both but check out this neat sort of robotics. And I, th and I think the gratification is already that that loops already in there where you drag and drop some coding, you physically build it. And then by pushing a button, you can see you've actually created something and you've commanded something to move. Right. So the, the gratification is there. So you, you feel like, and you can tangibly see what you're building. 
I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah. And, you know, they, I'll say they, they get that first taste of a little bit of success and then they're like, oh, I want to do this or I learned that. And it's each thing builds upon yeah. the next. So there's some sample code that kind of gets you started. Um, there's some sample robots that get you started. And once you've got a grasp on how to do, I'll say, the the introductory things, mm-hmm. then the kids can start, you know, that's where they watch the YouTube and they see, oh, hey, what's what's this team in China doing? And they've got this you know, really awesome robot and it does all these things. Maybe I can make a robot that does something similar. Uh, you know, where are the motors at? What do they do? Uh, what kind of programming can I do with that? And then this compounds into high school. And right. then it and so, seriously compounds into college. And then if you're doing it in college, you're probably studying it. Right. So then you're really getting into some cool stuff. So, you know, the, the high school and the college level play, they play the same game with some different rules between the high school and college versions, but the same field, same robots, these VRC metal robots that they can, you know, get Dremel tools out and cutting things and, and building more custom. In the IQ elementary game, uh, everything's collaborative. You're working with a teammate. This is not battle bots. You're not trying to smash somebody's robot that they've spent months working on. Okay. In the college, you're playing, uh, there's four robots on the field at one time in high school as well. And so two of them are going to be teammates. There's going to be a blue alliance and a red alliance. And the, the blue guys, they don't know each other. They've been paired up by the event staff randomly. Um, but you actually can make contact with the red team. You can try to play some defense. Um, right. That doesn't happen in the in the elementary game. In the elementary game, uh, two teams will be on the field together, and they're working together trying to score one score that they're both going to get combined together. I see. So they, they don't want kids uh, breaking other kids' robots. All right, cool. So um, let's do a little more background. So St. <clears throat> Joe's Elementary, is that a big school? So St. Joe Elementary is the private Catholic school uh, here in Huntington. Uh, I have two students there. Uh, we have a wonderful staff uh, and leadership. Um, I'm also the cub master for the, for the scouts there. Um, but, you know, we love it. Um, the leadership there is, you know, very uh, passionate about, you know, the education that the kids are receiving. Um, they've pulled me in. I'm a professional engineer, right? So I went to Purdue University. I uh, got my engineering degree. I got a master's in engineering from Marshall, um, and I'm a registered professional engineer in, in the state of West Virginia. So they've pulled me in to kind of lead the program for them. Um, you know, they've had it for the last couple of years, but we're wanting to, you know, try to step it up a little bit. And so we've had six teams um, in the short season leading up. Five of them have already qualified for states. We're anticipating that the sixth will as well here pretty soon. Okay, uh, so let's go to that then. Um for states, how is that different than regional competition? So the season, you can sign up for any event. Like we've participated in, like I said, the events in Hamlin, Huntington, St. Albans, um, our high school team who's doing the VRC as well. Uh, there's a high school team. They've gone to Beckley and Charleston and things like that. We have several teams that will be traveling to Charleston for an upcoming competition. Um but then you have to qualify for states. So you have to either win. There's, there's a variety of uh, categories at each of these individual events. Uh, there's a design award, which is primarily on your design process. The kids keep an engineering notebook, which actually lets them document their process. Like, hey, this is what we did, and it didn't work. So this is what we did again, and then it didn't work, and then this is what we did again. Um, they can do timing. They can do sketches. And so the engineering notebook is not something you erase. It's not something you tear up a page when it's wrong. It's it's something you document your process. And there are kids that will go to the world competition 
not based on how well the robot performed on the field, but how well they documented it and how they process of the, using the engineering notebook. Um, there's an excellence award, which is kind of an overall award. There's a skills award where the kids will compete individually on the field. So um, there's basically three ways to play Vex IQ. Um, the first two games are called driver skills, where you're on the field by yourself. And you're trying to score as high as you can in one minute. So you and your partner, your teammate, uh, will each get 30 seconds in a one-minute round. And that, whatever you score is your score. And typically, in an event, you get three attempts. Um, you know, 80 or 90 is a pretty good score for this year's game. The second skills is autonomous, or programming skills. And so what the kids have done is they have, with their programming, told their robot, when I hit go, I want you to turn left 90 degrees, and then drive backwards six inches, and then lift up the rear cube, and then turn right 45 degrees. And so it's this pre-programmed script that's going to go through and try to score as best it can throughout uh, this autonomous round. Again, it's one minute. So your autonomous score plus your driver score is your skill score. And the top team with a skill score at a competition, they're going to go to states. Wow, that's, that's really technical but really awesome sounding, the, uh, the autonomous and the driver. And again, hopefully when I set up the, the background of this or the description, maybe I can add some links to videos or pictures yeah. of what the robots look like but i'm envisioning something the size of a of a, of like a trash can or like you said 19 inches high right uh 15 inches high so basically a little bit taller I got one than of my foot. car i'll show you i'll show you a robot before yes. you leave but i envisioned it picking up a device or an item yep and putting it on another item yep and then going over here and doing the same thing but then in my mind they're moving really slow so trying to do yeah. it in 30 seconds is like you got to go. I mean, you can go slow, but you're not going to get a lot of elements scored. So right. you've got to move pretty quick. And, and it's not something like the kids practice this routine, right? They know the order they want to go in. They know I want to grab this one, then do that, then do that. The ones that are scoring well have a plan before go, right? That's and so awesome. it's, it's not like... Um, uh, it's not like you just not show like, up and wing it. Like, like the crane game. Right. That I'm envisioning the crane game a little bit where you just get a few shots at picking up something. I, I'm in, Now I'm starting to envision it almost moving around the the 8x4 right. field or whatever, yep. right? Yep, it's driving around. They've got a plan. So, you know, it's, it's just like any other competitive sport where you don't show up at your basketball game and decide, hey, I'm going to – Maybe I'm a three-point shooter. No, if you're going to be a three-point shooter, you're going to have worked on your three-point shot a lot. You're going to have a plan. You're going to run plays. Football teams, uh, they don't just show up on a football field. They have a plan. They know what plays they want to run. Everyone's got to be on the same page, You know, especially in this competition where you only have 30 seconds, then you have to hand it to your teammate, and they have to go for 30 seconds. So these teams have choreographed, like, hey, I know I should be about this far. Like, when we switch – I should have already accomplished these three or four things, and then you're going to accomplish these three or four things. Yeah, this sounds really cool. This sounds really cool. Now, I mean, I don't have kids, so I, I'm not familiar with how things work in any school for the most part. But what if uh, a kid went to a school there, where there isn't a VEX program? How do so, they get involved in other clubs? So there's also community-based teams. And so really anybody is able to put together a VEX team. If you had – six kids running around your neighborhood and you wanted to make the investment and buy the, you know, a kit from VEX and a field to practice on. Uh, there's several community-based teams, especially up in the Morgantown area 
uh, that are put together some very successful teams. And they get to go to competitions like anybody else. Um, I know there's some Girl Scouts uh, that have put together some VEX teams. Ours just happens to be based out of our school. A lot of them are based out of schools. But there's nothing limiting a community team or any other sort of club, you know, like, like Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, putting together a VEX team to compete as well. Okay, so so for the most part, then it makes more sense to build a VEX team out of an already, an already established community or club. Um, uh, that'd be the smartest way. And So go ahead. I'm just saying if, if it's something that's interesting to somebody, if they like to build things or – you know, play with, you know, for me, it's just playing with the toys, right? Right. Um, it's right, then, available. So then what about um, that initial investment? How, mu- how much does a kit cost to get started? Uh, I think the super kits, I may have this wrong. I think they're around maybe $300, you know, two to $300 a field. Um, if you want to buy a full field and the and the cubes to score with, uh, the field itself is 200 The The scoring elements are another 100 So... I mean, all told, for one team, um, you're probably looking at a you know a seven eight hundred dollar investment, um, and for probably you know another three three fifty for each additional team. So if you're a school wanting to put together you know four or five teams, these parts are reused year after year. Right. The field itself is reused year after year. Now the scoring elements like the cubes or whatever next year game happens to be. You have to buy some new stuff. Sure, but okay. the you know the main core products you can use year after year. So St. Joe's been doing it for um, I think three years now. So we've kind of built up quite a, a cachet of of materials that you know, we can field quite a few teams with the materials that we have. Well, that's great. Um, you, you mentioned Morgantown having a pretty good community. This I assume most of the larger cities in West Virginia have some sort of VEX community set up? Um, I think for the most part what I've seen in the IQ, there's about 120 teams in West Virginia that I think I've seen on the rankings. Um, most of them are through schools, honestly. There are a handful of community teams as well. Um, you know, I think they'll send about 40 to states, and eight will go to the world competition in Louisville um, at the end of April. Worlds in Louisville? Yep, so... So, you know, as you progress through the system, you can either pay to go to the local events or find some free ones. You're hoping to qualify for states. And um, if you qualify for states, you're going to go to Fairmont and you're going to compete there. And from there, eight teams will qualify and they'll go to a worldwide competition of the same game uh, that's held in Louisville this year. Uh, And so there will be four or five hundred teams from around the world coming to Kentucky in order to compete in this game. And so it's a great opportunity for the kids. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to make it to Worlds, it becomes more of a cultural exchange. I don't know if you ever watched the Little League World Series, but sure. they say the the best part of the Little League World Series is not just obviously you know, playing in Williamsport, but the kids stay up in the dorms, um, they eat together, they play ping pong together. Yeah. Um, and so if you get a chance to go to Worlds, it's great to you know go find a team from another country. Go say, hey, you want to go to lunch with us? And learn from them. They do pen trading and things like that. Uh, and so it's cool to um, interact with people from around the world who share a similar uh, hobby as you. So if a parent was, or a parent or a student was listening to this podcast and they are like, I haven't even heard of this, but I definitely want to get this. What steps would you recommend they follow? Um, so again, Google is, is so great. Um, you can go to Vex's website, which is just Vex.com. The events themselves 
uh, the competition events are on REC's page, which is robotevents.com. Uh, and then just go to YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Vex IQ Squared Away, which this year's game is named Squared Away, uh, and you'll see introductory videos, you'll see competition videos, you'll see people showing off what they've built, you know, competing, uh, and how they can score and what they're doing. Uh, and then you can really learn a lot about good designs and maybe some ones that could use an improvement from YouTube. I guess what I'm saying is, do does a student go to the science teacher first or a principal or do the parents talk to, I mean, how yeah, do you go that route? I would, I would tell the, the parents to talk to their principals uh, and see if they can get the investment. A lot of, uh, I think foundations and community partners would probably love to sponsor it. Engineering firms from around the state would probably sponsor their local communities, uh, school to, Hey, Hey, here's a thousand dollars, fifteen, fifteen hundred dollars and they could really get a program going. You need a teacher or, you know, someone like me, uh, a parent volunteer, to kind of head up the effort uh, to get the kids going. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we treat it like, like any sports team at St. Joe. That's how we treat it. We treat it like it's another event. We're competing. We're trying to, to do well, teach the kids how to A, be leaders, B, work together as teamwork. And at the same time, we're teaching them, you know, STEM skills. Uh, that hopefully translate into, um, you know, you know, wanting to go into you know a STEM kind of career or major in college once they get there. Definitely. What um what important questions have I not asked? What have we not covered? Um, I think we've hit a lot of it, honestly. Um, we we've we've we've, covered we've, done, it? we've done pretty good. Well, cool. I think we've done pretty good. There's. You know, we didn't really talk about the teamwork aspect of collaborating with other teams at competitions. Right. Uh, I can talk about that. I've talked a lot about the competition so far. I can, I can go through quickly. Well, no, I think I think we've covered it. I'm just I again because I know so little about the topic. I don't. Yeah. Wanna, I don't want to get a text message from you three hours from now. <laughs> oh, I should have said that. It, that, that blah blah blah. You yeah. know, I hear that from time to time from people who are on the podcast. Yeah, I'll say when you go to a competition, um, and I talked about the driver skills and the uh, programming skills. The main focus at a competition itself is the teamwork challenge. And so you go and you register, you sign up, you show up, and you're going to get paired up randomly with all the other teams that came. There's 30 teams that have come from eight different schools. Right. And there's going to be qualifying rounds. And you're, you know, typically you're going to get eight to ten qualifying matches. And so uh, I look for my team number. I see, hey, I'm paired up with this team for the next round. I go talk to them, and when they go on the field together – they're going to get one minute to work together and get the same score. So it's in your both of your best interest to try to get as high of a score as you can. And different teams bring different skills. That high tower is really hard for people to score on. And so some teams don't have robots that can do it, but maybe they have robots that can handle the low tower. So you have to talk about what your strengths are. You have to talk about what their strengths are and find a way to work together to achieve that one common goal. So Again, this is a student-centered program, and so you're at a competition, and the kids are having to interact with other teams, describe what their strengths are, ask what their strengths are, and find a common way to score a lot of points. That's so, like a, it's kind of like an added difficulty level. Like I could see you could have a competition is like just go perform the task. If you if you got enough points, good. There's your score. But making it have to work with it in a team. Yeah, it's harder, but then if you don't even know the team... You don't know them. And yeah. so you're randomly paired up with teams. You're going to get about 10 attempts normally. They'll drop a couple of your low scores, depending on how many attempts you get. Uh, and then at the end of the day, they'll take the highest averages. They'll, they'll give you an average. 
and the number one average team in, quali in qualifying is going to get paired up in a finals match, one last match for one last score. And the number one and number two averages, they're going to get paired together as a team. Okay. And the number three and four will get paired together as a team. And then, you know, on down the line, five and six, seven and eight. And so that one and two seed, they get to drive last. And there's a finals match that's going to happen. Every other team's going to get to go together with their new alliance partner that they seeded together. And they're going to start at the at the last alliance and go forward to the first. So when the number one and number two team, who are now teammates, when they go in the last match of the day, they know what score they need to get to win. And whoever gets the highest score in the finals is your teamwork champion. And that's who typically goes to you know the state or whatever the qualifying event is for, state or worlds. Um, but that's really the focus on a competition day is this teamwork thing. There's, you know, if there's 25 teams there, there's probably um, 100 plus qualifying matches that are going to happen before finals happens. Um, and so it's it's just neat to see the kids work. Sometimes sometimes there's great rounds. Sometimes there's some rounds that you wish would have went a little bit better. Um, but it's really up to them to go through and 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 do it. And so um, going from our first competition where you know. Uh, some of our teams struggled a little bit and then watching them come back two weeks later or three weeks later at a second competition, like, Hey, they've got that experience. Now they see how it actually works. Uh, and then they have had a lot of success winning some of the awards and, and qualifying for the state. Um, because they say, Hey, I see what these guys are doing. Let's, let's try that. Or we need to practice more. You know, those teams were, were much more skilled than us. So we need to put in more work in order to, to try to catch up to them. Well, that, that's great. That, that sounds like a really, healthy competition and challenging competition well if if we think we've covered everything i guess we could wrap this up thank you for being on the podcast absolutely and, and uh i really appreciate it um thanks a lot thank you all right